Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey, and it's Monday, the 21st of December, 2020. That's right, the week of Christmas is finally here. And today, I want us to say thank God for Christmas time. Thank the Lord for what we celebrate. And I know we think of that, maybe you're thankful just as you think of, hey, 2020 is almost over. Thank God for Christmas time. Maybe just you think of time with your family uh, that can be special, traditions, memories, all kinds of things that you might be thankful for this time of year. Maybe you're just excited for some time off from work so you can relax and just enjoy that time. But I do want us today to think about how thankful we should be for what Christmas represents, that what the work of Jesus Christ being born as a baby in a manger in the town of Bethlehem, the difference that that makes for you and for me. And I want us to start today by looking actually at a couple discouraging passages, and then we'll find one that's actually about Christmas of all things. So let's start with John chapter 19 and verses 1 through 16. Uh, We've seen conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders throughout the whole book of John, but here we see some of the most amazing statements made, and we see the leaders of the Jewish people, their religious leaders, saying things that the average Jew never dreamed would they would have heard them say. And so we see Jesus here, he has been talking to Pilate, and Pilate now, it seems that Pilate is not set on killing Jesus. Pilate seems to want to release Jesus. Um, He has Jesus flogged. They twist together a crown of thorns and put them on Jesus's head, and they put a rope, a purple robe, the royal color around him, and they say, Hail, King of the Jews. And Pilate, he seems to be kind of It's hard to tell if he's just toying with the crowd or if he's mocking them or if he's actually just trying to appease them by beating up Jesus enough that maybe they'll have pity and let him and let him go. He says, see, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know I find no guilt in him. But then the crowd keeps coming after him. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate says, take him yourselves and crucify him for I find no guilt in him. And the Jews answered, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to be, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. That's something, even as we've talked about this, as we're going through the gospel of John as a church, that they keep coming back to that. And again, Jesus never backs down from that claim. He only doubles down. Yes, he was making himself, well, he was the son of God and he was claiming what he was. But Pilate even gets kind of frightened by this whole son of God statement and It kind of threatens Jesus, but Jesus says, you have no authority uh, unless it's given to you. And so Pilate is trying to release it. Maybe Pilate now is a little concerned, a little superstitious or whatever it may be. And now the Jews really start saying surprising, shocking things. They say to Pilate, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. You know who doesn't give a rip about Caesar? the Jewish leaders. You know who wishes that Caesar was dead and gone and they were free from his rule? The Jewish leaders. But they start saying these things. And again, Pilate starts saying things and he says there in verse 14, behold your king about Jesus. And the people cry out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. 
Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And then this is, you know, the kicker right here. The chief priests, the chief priests of the nation of Israel say, we have no king but Caesar. And Pilate delivers him up to be crucified. There's no more shocking thing, really, that you should be able to imagine coming from the lips of the chief priests of Israel than for them to say, we have no king but Caesar. They have given their backs, they've turned their backs to their Messiah. They have given up on God. They are willing to make whatever compromise they need to make to get rid of this threat to their system. What a sad state a statement on really on the state of humanity. And that's something that all of us, we should look at and see how horrendous it was that Christ was crucified. What a miscarriage of justice that was. But it's also something that we should identify with in a way that puts ourselves there. It says if we were there, we probably would have been acting in the same way. Um, it was our sin that ultimately put Jesus on the cross and, and sensing the seriousness of that. And we get more of a sense of God's judgment as we turn to Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 13. And we see this fall of Babylon, which I think in many ways, it helps just to picture this as just the evil world system. It it is going to be destroyed and there's going to be these plagues. And it says that, you know, in a single day, death and mourning and famine, she will be burned up with fire for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. So as we think about just the world and whether there is a specific city that's kind of symbolizing the world system, God is going to judge it. God is going to take it down. And it's a a city of great material wealth. It's interesting, even in the last verse, it talks about slavery. Very interesting that it reminds them slaves, that's human souls we're talking about, even as it talks about slavery there. And in the midst of all of this, you know, people living in luxury and immorality and defying God. God is going to put an end to all of this. So as we look at these two passages, I want us to realize this is where we would be without Christmas, so to speak. Without Jesus coming into this world for our sins, we would be headed towards this judgment in Revelation 18, you and me. Without Christ, we would be violently opposed to God. But that's what brings us now to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, which actually does speak to Christmas time. For it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Talking about the birth of the Messiah. So much so that when the Magi show up, remember, And they ask, where is this king supposed to be born? They know the answer. Oh, it's in Bethlehem. It says so right here. And it talks about the kind of king that Jesus shall be. And he will bring uh, peace. He will bring strength. Verse five says, and he shall be their peace. And we see what, what Jesus is going to do. And we see, I think, even a little more of what we have because of Christ In verse 18 of chapter 7, as Micah wraps up his book, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? For he does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths 
of the sea, right? Talk about our sin being thrown into the ocean. Our sins are at the bottom of the ocean's floor. And we as Christians have to realize this coming Messiah was the one who makes that possible. God doesn't not, does, he doesn't just forget about our sins. He doesn't just sweep them under the rug. The reason he can throw them into the bottom of the ocean is because they have been nailed to the cross. And the cross would not have happened without the manger. And we need to thank God this Christmas time that God, that Jesus took on the form of a man. He came into this world and because of him, we can have peace. Because of him, our iniquities have been thrown into the bottom of the ocean. And I want you to just meditate on that as we begin this Christmas week, as we see even pictures of sin and betrayals, we see pictures of judgment. We also see this beautiful picture of forgiveness. And we're reminded that this king that is coming would be born in Bethlehem. There's a couple other great statements I want us to think about in the book of Micah. As we think about, well, in light of all this, what should I do? One's very famous, Micah 6, 8, which says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? That in light of what we celebrate at Christmas time is in light of thinking about our sins being thrown into the bottom of the ocean, may we just respond the way God would want us to. I'm going to love justice. I am going to love kindness and I'm going to walk humbly with God. And no matter what is going on in the world, and that's kind of, it talks about some of the evil going on in the world at the beginning of chapter seven. And that might be something you can identify with right now as you look around the world and you're concerned about what's going on. He says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me, right? Another thing we're going to pursue Lord. We're going to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God, and we will look to him and wait for him. As we live in this life, that is our response. And we see more of just the generous nature of God as we wrap up Psalm 145. Psalm 145 verses 15 through 21, where it says, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I'd invite you even just to look back at 2020 and see how God has provided for you. You've had your food to eat in due season. God opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. And even may we see not only is that talking we know about our physical desires, but he has satisfied the desires of our hearts by sending his son into the world so that we might be saved, so that our sins might be thrown into the bottom of the ocean. So as we start this Christmas week, let's thank God for Christmas time because even though we see the judgment that sin deserves, we see a savior who was born just like the prophet said he would be in Bethlehem. And because of him, we can be forgiven of all of our sins. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you.